The sermon text is the Gospel of St. John, chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. After this, Jesus crossed over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he was performing on those who were sick. Jesus went up on the hillside and sat down there with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, Where can we buy bread for these people to eat? But Jesus was saying this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to have just a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what is that for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. There were about 5,000 men. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed pieces to those who were seated. He also did the same with the fish, as much as they wanted. When the people were full, he told his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over so that nothing is wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces from the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the miraculous sign Jesus did, they said, This really is the prophet who is coming into the world. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. For those of you who may not keep track of such things, this is going to be the third time in just under three years that you have heard a sermon from me on Jesus feeding the 5,000. And that's good, that's fine, because the main point of this story is one that Americans in the year 2023 can definitely stand to hear more than once. And that is that any doubt about the ability of our Savior Jesus to give us what we need, even in the most desperate situations, any doubt about it is wrong. Because as the people recognize at the end of this story, Jesus is the prophet who was coming into the world, and that is the prophet with a capital P. That is the Messiah, the Son of God. So any doubt about his ability to give us what we need is doubting God. Not only can Jesus give us what we need, this story teaches us that he can give us what we need in situations that seem impossible. And Jesus, of course, he already knew the answer to his own question, where can we buy bread for these people to eat? The answer, of course, was nowhere. But everybody in that crowd still got all they needed and way more than they needed because the prophet was there with them. And that, in a nutshell, is what you got in the first two rounds on Jesus feeding the 5,000. But today is going to be a little bit different because today it's Lent. And our Christian fathers who assembled the lessons for this Sunday tipped their hand pretty heavily when they named this Sunday Lytara, which means rejoice. They intended this fourth Sunday in Lent to be a little island of joy on the otherwise quiet and serious march to the cross with our Savior Jesus. They wanted this fourth Sunday to be kind of like the Tahiti or the Maui of Lent. Even during Lent, they wanted Jesus' people to remember that he lives, 
That yes, he died for our sins on Good Friday, but he is alive again and he is with us. So even during Lent, Christians have the joy of their living Savior in their heart. So today we get to take a little break from the forward trudge toward the cross and slogging it out with Satan and his demons and temptations. And we just get to sit down with our Savior Jesus and let him give us our fill. On our march toward heaven, we are not alone. Jesus is with us. He is always watching over us, giving us all the rest and the refreshment that we need on our journey home toward heaven. Today, our Savior Jesus looks at us and feeds us, and we look back at him and rejoice. When joy is missing from our hearts, from our lives, why is that? You hear that question, you might want to answer it by listing off all of your problems. I don't get paid what I earn. My children can be little terrors. My furnace is acting up. My favorite team stinks. And all of that might be true enough, but if you wanted to keep your list very short, you could cite just a singular cause, singular thing that robs us of our joy. And that singular cause is sin, the sin of ourselves and the sin of others. Now, I'm not even saying that when you lose your joy sometimes, it's necessarily a direct result or even the indirect result of anything that you did. It might not even be your fault, but when Adam and Eve fell into sin, the nature of us human beings fell. And that fallen human nature gets passed down generation to generation, like height and eye color and predisposition towards certain diseases. It's just part of our spiritual DNA. It's in our soul, and it affects everything. As St. Paul wrote, one trespass led to condemnation for all people. So not only is humanity fallen, but all of creation around us is cracked and broken too. So there are things that are not our fault at all, like natural disasters and ugly things that just happen out there and rob us of our joy. It's the sin in us, it's the sin in creation that takes our joy away sometimes. Now if you close your eyes and you visualized the scene before Jesus fed the 5,000, would you sense a great deal of joy among the people in a crowd of 15 to 20,000 people who are facing the prospect of a long walk home on an empty stomach? Or what about the level of joy in Jesus' disciples as he began to test them in that situation? Do you picture a whole lot of joy on the face of Philip when he says 200 denarii, and I'm just guessing that was probably the total amount in the disciples' treasury at that time, but 200 denarii would not be enough for each of them to have just a little. And do you sense that Jesus' disciple Andrew is just brimming with joy when he says, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what is that for so many people? But Jesus looked. He looked at that crowd and he saw their hunger. He looked at his downcast disciples and he saw their doubt. And Jesus decided to do something about it. He decided to act and to turn that hunger and to turn that doubt into joy. After Jesus fed all of those people, now, could you picture 
a good deal of joy in a crowd of 15 to 25,000 people who have just had the very rare opportunity to eat all they want. Food in the hands of a hungry person, that is joy. And a whole lot of food in the hands of a whole lot of hungry people, that is a whole lot of joy. Could you find some joy in Jesus' disciples as they are bending over and stuffing baskets with leftovers after all of those people have had a chance to stuff their stomachs? Not only is everybody's problem solved, but they have all got to witness one of the most amazing events in the history of the world. And on top of that, most importantly, now they get to look at Jesus and recognize the truth about him. That he is the capital P prophet, their savior who has come to give them a whole lot more than just bread and fish. Now, we should remember that these disciples, they had experience with Jesus. They got to see him do things like turn water into wine at a wedding. They got to see blind people receive their sight and deaf people receive their hearing. They got to see people who were unable to walk get up and start running. And it wasn't just that. The disciples had already heard Jesus teaching his own words about himself. And they had come to faith. They believed it. And yet still, on that day, the disciples just couldn't see how so little could go so far. They were downcast and they were full of doubt. Because Jesus was already looking at them, but they were not yet looking at him. They were still looking at themselves. But Jesus, he saw the hunger in that crowd, and he saw the doubt in his disciples, and he decided to renew their joy. He looked at them, and he kept his eyes on them until he briefly lifted them up to heaven to thank his heavenly Father and then Jesus renewed the joy of those people. His eyes were right back on them, and he taught them that it turns out, as long as you have the prophet with you, you have everything you need, just Jesus. And that truth became their joy. Now, you and I are not very different than Jesus' disciples. We know from the pages of Scripture all the miracles that Jesus did when he was walking here on this earth. And we know the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed. We know his resurrection on Easter Sunday, that Jesus died for our sins on Good Friday, but he did not stay that way. He took his life back up again on Easter, which is why Good Friday is so good. And not only do we know Jesus' power and his miracles, but we also have experience with Jesus in our own lives. We can look back on our lives and see how problems popped up that we saw no possible solution to, but every time Jesus made it work out. And yet, despite all of our experience with Jesus, when these problems do come up, doubt twists inside of us and robs us of our joy. We get tired out and worn down and down in the dumps. But Jesus is still looking at his people in this world. He is still watching over us. And it is time for us to look back at him and rejoice. Because Jesus is still raising up his eyes to his heavenly Father and praying that you and I will have everything that we need for our body and our lives. And so we do, and we will. Of course, Jesus does not personally hand it to us, as he did to his disciples on that day. But Jesus works through his people to supply everyone who trusts in him with all they need. 
If you need anything, all you have to do is ask. And Jesus will work through his people to get it to you. And you know, Jesus makes some of his people so perceptive that you may not even have the chance to ask before you get what you need. Look at Jesus. He is looking at you, supplying you with everything you need. Look back at him and rejoice. And as Jesus looks at his people in this world, he is also well aware of that singular root cause that robs us of joy so often. When Jesus looks at us, he is well aware of our sin. And so Jesus came to solve that problem of our sin. He didn't come just to, fi to fill bellies with bread and fish. He didn't even come primarily to do that. Jesus came to take our sins away and give us joy that lasts. Joy that is pure and perfect in the heavenly kingdom. So he came and lived a life free from sin. The perfect life that we needed that we now get credit for through faith in the Son of God. Jesus went to the cross and took all of the punishment that our sins deserved so that we did not have to. And he proved the fact of our salvation with his resurrection on Easter morning. Jesus has opened up the kingdom of heaven to everyone who believes in him, where there is always joy, only joy, and joy with him. Jesus is looking at us watching over us and feeding us all the way to our heavenly home. Look back at him and rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Amen.